Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Worldwide Willis. Yeah, this podcast is presented to you by the LMG Podcast Network. And today, I'm solo. We're on a solo mission today. Um, and we're going to kind of run down some things. We kind of have a, a lot to talk about. Um, a lot has happened in the last two weeks, or last week or so. Um, and... I was able to catch this latest episode of Raw, so I got to kind of really, you know, catch the latest as far as where the storylines kind of um, ended up at in WWE. So we will touch on that. Now we know how it goes. We're going to start with matches of the week. First, we want to talk about this potentially the best match, the best television match we've gotten from WWE all year. Uh, it is Gunther versus Chad Gable, which is actually on last week's um raw episode um i wasn't able to include it in last week's episode um because i recorded it you know a day before um we recorded the uh start bench cut uh episode however yeah man the gunther versus chad gable match was just it was amazing it was everything we thought it would be to be honest like it was hard hitting it was technical it was entertaining it was emotional the crowd was was into it the whole time I saw I saw Mark Henry um, talked about it and he just mentioned like he, he got emotional watching it just because he was saying like how like seeing technical wrestling done at such a high level that like the crowd is into it. The crowd is, you know, it's not a dud of a match. It's not boring. The crowd is like respecting and showing homage to the guys, you know, putting their bodies on the line, you know, and so. The match was just, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, we, of course, Gunther won. I mean, that was the right decision. However, Gable was, Gable was right there, man. He pushed him to the limit. I've watched every Gunther title defense, and this one was up there, man. It really was. And, like, you know, I, I, I've said the same thing about Gunther. Like, he just makes everybody look good. And, chat, and this was another case of that where Gable left the match looking amazing looking like a million bucks, to be honest. Like, he pushed Gunther to the limit. Um, and it was such a fun, contrasting styles, right? You have Gunther, who's 6'4", 6'5", 260, 70 pounds, right? And just this behemoth, who is an amazing technical wrestler, um, but a behemoth versus this 5'9 guy who's an Olympic champion, uh, technical wizard, extremely quick, you know, has a cruiserweight style to him, cruiserweight speed, but like a Kurt Angle level power, you know what I mean, to his game. And so it was just extremely fun to watch. A great match. Uh, their storyline is obviously probably one of the best storylines. It's probably the best storyline on Raw right now. And it's just continued. And actually, to segue to my next match of the week, it was uh, this latest um, Raw. It was a six-man tag match. It was Imperium versus the Alpha Academy, and Tommaso Ciampa. I was really excited to see Tommaso get involved in this. It kind of gave Tommaso a thing to do while we kind of wait for this whole Johnny Gargano thing to play out, um, DIY thing to play out. So it was fun to see Tommaso get in there, get some shine, be able to really show off his skills. And I feel like he's he's won against Imperium a thousand times. You know, back in NXT, they were back in – they were in NXT back in the day together – and so he knows how to work with those guys. And, like, Champa looked great. Like, the match was really fun. Uh, actually, I think um, um, Rude 
Bobby Roode uh, produced the match. I always like to shout out to producers of a match because I think those are the, the unsung heroes. And I'm glad to see that producers are starting to get a lot more love. Like people look up if a great match happens in WWE, people look like, okay, who produced the match? I love that. Like I love seeing that. And so, and for those who don't know, the producers of a match kind of lay out things, right? Honestly, the wrestlers still kind of have their input, still can still do some, they leave, the producer sometimes leaves uh, some space there where the wrestlers can still come up on the fly, still do some things, still ad lib in the match, you know, still call some stuff themselves. But the producer kind of helps them figure out certain spots, figure out, you know, certain ways to tell a story in the match. And then also, of course, uh, figure out the finish. But, yeah, it's just it's really fun to see the producers influence on matches, especially producers who are really good and know that, like, okay, I have two amazing wrestlers with certain styles. Let me use those styles to tell a story. And I think uh, Bobby Roode did that in this match. Um, Imperium versus Alpha Academy. No one looked bad. Everybody looked good. Um they did a really good job of like the announcing team did a good job of mentioning that um Giovanni Vinci had a ankle, a prior ankle injury, and has been dealing with that. And of course, Chad Gable's finishing submission is the ankle lock. So he kind of went for it a few times. So that kind of like obviously threw that out there to where Giovanni Vinci end, ended up tapping to the ankle lock, but he didn't look weaker due to it he didn't look like he just randomly tapped it it was a reason for him tapping right he had a prior injury and then someone literally did a move to attack that injury you know so it was just a really fun match um it kind of continued um their rivalry and we'll kind of talk about that as well and then our last match of the week is actually on this also on this latest episode which is a really good episode of raw to me um it was a kind of a random feud, but a kind of a start of a random feud. It is Drew McIntyre against Xavier Woods. Now, I will say this. I really like Drew McIntyre. I think he is underrated. And honestly, in the, 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 what led up to this match is kind of what I've always been pointing to with Drew. Like, I guess Drew and Riddle are starting to have a rivalry with the New Day. Well, one reason they started, the, one we, reason that um, Xavier Woods, you know, got this match just because he kind of threw a jab at Drew McIntyre saying, like, I think you're jealous of Kofi Kingston because Kofi Kingston got to win the championship in front of 80,000 people and have his WrestleMania moment. And you, Drew McIntyre, you had to have your, you know, 15 minutes of fame, your championship, your WrestleMania moment during the pandemic where there was no fans. So you're, like, jealous. And that's why you threw a cheer and hit Kofi you know, accidentally with air quotes, you know, so um, that definitely pissed off Drew McIntyre. And of course, as you know, like they had to have a match afterward. They had to square up. And man, it was just a really fun match, like a really good television match. Right. It, it just it was two guys who kill it, who had good chemistry and the crowd was in it, man. Like, you know, some it's not always a guarantee that a crowd is going to be into matches. Uh, especially like on Raw or SmackDown. Now, pay-per-view crowds are usually more into it. Those are people who like paid money to go see this event. And like, they know that, you know, this is the big myth. This is the big event. This is going to be the ending of, this is the big, you know, um, climax of a lot of storylines. We we get most of our big moments from pay-per-views, right? So that's why a lot of people go. But 
sometimes, man, sometimes these raw SmackDown crowds, you're just like, man, why did you buy a ticket to just sit there and be quiet? I don't understand. But in this, man, I, I want to shout out the crowd. I know next week in SmackDown, there, uh, this upcoming SmackDown, there are in Jim, Denver, Colorado. But I want to, I, I, I did, I must have missed it, uh, what town they were in. But this crowd was amazing, seriously, from beginning to end. And in this match, like they got a this is awesome chant, which is kind of, it's not always a guarantee you're going to get that on a Raw or a SmackDown for any of these matches. And they got that and it was earned, right? It wasn't just a, um, I just, let's just say this is awesome because they're doing a bunch of moves. No, it was really competitive. Xavier Woods looked amazing. I still believe he's the most underrated wrestler in the locker room in WWE. Like for real, like dude can do anything. He can wrestle with anybody, and it can be a really good match. And I and I hope to see. Obviously, he can't he can't get a singles title run. You know, he's he's not going to necessarily challenge Seth for the title. But then you want him to kind of be an IC title contender. But Gunther has a title, so like, and he's already went against Gunther and lost. So it's kind of like once Gunther loses the title, whatever that is. Okay, now I'd love to see Xavier Woods maybe get a, a singles title run because he, I mean, dude is that good in the ring and he's obviously a great character. Um, but yeah, him and Drew just really uh, killed it, man. They really killed it. Um, I'd love to see who produced that match as well. But uh, really, really fun TV match. Really fun. I was not. I was. I won't say I wasn't expecting it because those two guys are amazing in the ring. You know what I mean? I kind of. Was like I was kind of once I saw them kind of have their like backstage um, running, I kind of you know I perked up. I was like, oh, okay, these two gonna have one on one. Okay, this is gonna be good, and it definitely delivered. Uh, definitely delivered. So yeah, those are our matches of the week. Now we will talk. Uh, we will um, move on to the topics of the day. Now, as we as some of you may know, Gunther, my favorite, the goat. He uh, just broke the um, IC title reign record, right? So he now has the longest intercontinental heavyweight championship title reign of anyone in WWE history. I think he, I think he took the, the throne from the honky tonk man who had it the longest up to that point. Had it for had that record for thirty some years. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, the fact that. Gunther's had it this long is just amazing. And in this latest episode, it was fun because they had a, like a celebration. You know, they always have these like title reign celebrations. They did it for Roman Reigns when he passed it that when he passed, I think thousand days or something like that. But um, we all know what it's for. Like the celebration is cool, but we all know someone's going to interrupt. And of course, in this uh, one, Chad Gable came out and basically let him know, you know, Hey, I respect what you did. I expect respect your accomplishments, but at one point or another, I'm going to beat you for this title due to, you know, wanting it so bad and due to, you know, making his daughter cry and all these other things. And it was a really good segment. And that kind of what led to the Alpha Academy Champa versus Imperium match. But this Gunther reign in general, man, it's just, it's the best thing we have on Raw right now, honestly. Um, you know, with Gunther, you're going to get a very good storyline. Gunther has beyond past my expectations beyond on the mic. Like I knew what he was in the ring. I knew what he was in the ring. Right. We all that's that's the reason he became my favorite is because his ring work. But his work on the mic, man, is so good. So good. 
he looks like an evil. He looks like a. Uh, he sounds like a, a James Bond villain. You know, uh, like an '80s James. Like he's just one of those guys, man. He's just really perfected what he's doing on the mic, and so that has been my biggest. Like that makes me happy because I knew Gunther could be main event WrestleMania and hold it down for years as the man of WWE. But I was always like, okay, you know, mic work, you know, who cares, right? Because he's that good in the ring. But, bro, the work he's doing, and I love that he's getting this this opportunity to show that stuff off, killing it on the mic. He doesn't hit you with jokes, doesn't hit you, but he's just like that. Again, that James Bond villain, that person who, you know, that from Austria adds his little uh, accent, adds his uh, language, speaks his language in there. I love that they're doing that too. And we'll talk about that later. Who who that's also helped. But uh yeah, Gunther's just historic run. I mean, he's gotten better throughout the run. And I'm excited to see. I think they're gonna keep the belt on him until WrestleMania or maybe Royal Rumble. Uh or maybe Elimination Chamber. We'll see. But I hope they keep that title on him and he he whoever beats him has that moment of beating him at a big big stage. I think so many people um, don't understand the business. Like, I, and I say this every week: there's a lot of people who are wrestling fans who don't understand the business. Who sit there and go, "Oh man, Chad Gable should beat him." No, nah, uh, you know, such and such should beat him. Such and such should beat him at like these random, you know, pay per views. And I don't want to diminish them, but it's like. Bruh, like, do you not understand? This man is a potential GOAT candidate. Like, this guy, like, dudes like this don't come around every, you know, every, maybe once every 10 years. You know what I mean? You don't have a guy like that lose at a random pay-per-view. No. If you beat Gunther, it should be a memorable moment that you can reference back to every, you know, 10 years from now. And that would be a big pay-per-view, one of the big ones, maybe SummerSlam, maybe uh, and of course, I think should be WrestleMania. And so I'm hoping we get a WrestleMania match. But I also low key want to see, I want to see a Brock Lesnar Gunther match before it's all over as far as the IC title. I think that'd be dope. Now, you can still get that if once Gunther loses, maybe loses the IC title at WrestleMania. And then after that, starts going for the, of course, the heavyweight title or the WWE championship. On the pursuit to that, he could maybe go against Gunther, but man, it could it could be really good. I I think there's so many opportunities for Gunther. They've done a good job of keeping Gunther away from Seth, keeping him away from Cody, you know, keeping him away from Roman Reigns. And so once they can push that button, man, that's money. That's money. Um, all right, moving on to the next topic. I see a lot of people talking about the bloodline storyline and how you know, saying it's trash and it's cooked and all these things. Look, we all know this is this is the down period for the bloodline. We know that, right? Roman isn't around right now. Um, Sami Zayn's no longer around. Jay is kind of separated. And it's just Paul Heyman, Solo, Jimmy Uso, potentially trying to get back in the bloodline. I actually kind of like this. Like, some people are like, this kind of doesn't make sense. You know, he was the first person to defect outside of, you know, other Uso brothers. And within the family, he was technically the first person to defect. And they were like, you know, 
you know, they were like, why is this going back and forth? Like, we're kind of running, we're kind of going back in circles with the storyline. I kind of like the fact that, like, Jay is the guy who's, like, successfully transitioned out of the bloodline and that Jimmy didn't have some as much success. Like, that's, and that's okay. Like, we don't need to push everybody out of the bloodline into world heavyweight title shots. Like, I think a realistic story is if I have a gang and people are trying to transition out of the gang, not everybody's going to be successful doing it. Some people are going to, you know, do it and move on to bigger and brighter things. But then there's going to be other people who are going to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And then go out there in the real world and they're like, ah, this ain't this ain't what I thought it was going to be. They're not feeling me like I like I thought, let me go back to where I was, you know, where I was cooking it. And then the gang going to be like, whoa, 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 you, you said you want to leave. Like you you volunteered to leave. No, you don't just come back like that. Or if you come back, you know, you don't leave unless we tell you you leave. And that's kind of the story we're seeing now. So I'm really seeing Jimmy have to prove his way into the bloodline is dope to me. Like, that's really cool. Right. Because to me. The bloodline is better. The story is better when they're together rather than the splinting off type of storyline. That's cool. But again, I'm a faction guy. So the whole like splintering off stuff is cool for a couple of weeks. But honestly, the best story, the best bloodline storylines was when they was cooking and Sammy was there and they were all on the same page. Like that was the peak. Right. Um, and then still hit some even higher peaks when they broke apart initially, but still that was that's when they were damn their baby faces when Sammy was around and everybody was on the same page. But I think the bloodline storyline is still fine. I think once once Roman comes back, it'll start cooking again. Trust me. Once Roman comes back, he'll you know he'll do what he does and he'll make it. You know he'll make it, you know water in the wine. You know what I'm saying? He'll just that's just the effect he has. So I, I think people are panicking a little bit. I get it, right? It's this it's the greatest storyline of all time, and now we're seeing sort of some dwindling. I think we'll be fine. Paul Heyman's smart. They, they're smart. They know, okay, this is – we're, we're kind of hitting a, a lull here, and so we got to bring back Roman, maybe have him defend the title, have him in some storylines, and try some new stuff, right? Like you were trying new stuff when you added Sami Zayn, you didn't know that was going to turn into some year and year long thing where that provided the greatest storyline of all time. Like you didn't know that. That's why I'm excited to see when Roman comes back and see them try some new stuff. Um, but also, I am excited to see Jay. Man, Jay Uso is so over right now, bro. Like he be having them again. He be having them crowds looking like concerts. Um. And I'm excited for him to kind of go on his own and build his own thing. And I love that he got moved up. He got traded to Raw. And he is now, you know, able to do his thing over there. Right. And But I like that they're still hold, still tying in his history with the bloodline. Right. If I if I run again, if I run with a gang for a long time and then I defect from that gang, my enemies are still the same enemies. Them enemies are still going to see me as in that game or the stuff I did to them while in that game, right? They still don't want to get their get back. So to see Drew McIntyre be like, nah, I don't trust you, fam. Like, nah, we got problems still. Like what you did to me with the bloodline, like, no, we're not going to just brush that under the rug because you decided to leave, you know? And so I I really love to see that. I think, I think we should do more, right? Like 
AJ, I like the AJ Styles thing. Uh, I'm sorry, like with there's so many characters that the bloodline, you know, messed over, you know. So I definitely want to see, you know, some more people confronting Jay. Like, all right, bro, like you say you you down, but Kevin Owens, you know, things of that nature. Um, I don't want to see Jay get involved with with Judgment Day stuff. To be honest, I like the Judgment Day, but man, it is repetitive. Having the Judgment Day in as your lead faction has produced some good moments, but they're not the bloodline, right? They're not, they don't have that central figure that we all go, okay, if he's on the screen, this is entertaining. They don't have that. And so when they run all these matches, it's like, okay, why are we having the same Judgment Day match every week? Why is there you know, main event judgment day match every single week is the same stuff, you know? So I just want to see Jay go against somebody else, have a beef with somebody else who can propel him towards something else. Hopefully, you know, maybe he runs into Gunther and he wants to pull up on him or something, you know, we'll see, but I am really happy that Jay is over. I am excited to see who. So, so for those who don't know, Jay Uso, who was on SmackDown got traded to raw. Now, that's great and all, but what people are also interested in is obviously that was a there was a trade again. There was a trade, so we want to see who from Raw got traded to SmackDown. Um, and they kind of mentioned it last week on SmackDown, like, "Hey, uh, Adam Pierce was like, you know, I can't say who got traded. That's a decision from the bosses above." But I am really excited because I am wondering if it is Cody Rhodes. Um, I think it could be good for Cody Rhodes to be on SmackDown just to get some new opponents. Right now, he's kind of, you know, in this whole Judgment Day, <laughs> like I want to call it like the Judgment Day, like uh, abyss, where you kind of get just caught up in this Judgment Day and stuff, and then you get the repetitive, you go against Dom, then you go against Damian Priest, then you go against Finn, then you got six-man title, six-man tags going against them, then you got tag team going against It's just an abyss that you just can't get out of. Right. And I just hope to see, you know, I think Cody versus all those guys over there on SmackDown. That'd be fun. Seeing a Cody and LA Knight tag, you know, having, you know, uh promo battles or even going, you know, tagging together against Waller and Austin and Austin theory. That'd be fun. That would be really fun. So I'm hoping that Cody is the person traded. Um, I think that's better. I think, Cody can actually allude towards Roman directly and start start that rivalry. You can slow cook it till we get to WrestleMania, but just start start the engine a little bit. Um, all right, next we have. I'm excited to see this Hurt Business versus the Judgment Day. That is one thing that I am excited about. Good thing about having Judgment Day as the tag team titles, holding the tag team titles, is they can jump from brand to brand. And, of course, Hurt Business, or at least we think that's what their name is. That's also an issue I'm having. Like, nigga, give them – what's y'all's name, right? Like, we got we got Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits kicking it together. It's like everybody wants to call them the Hurt Business, but we're like, they won't say their name. So I'm like, we don't know what to call you. That's annoying. That's distracting, right? I, I can't even, like – just think about the story. I have to think, okay, are they the hurt business or are they not the hurt business? Right. 
please just plainly say this is our name. We are the Hurt Business. You ain't got to do like no Marvel movie where you just say Hurt, 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 Hurt Business. That's it. Like we don't need to do all that. But allude to it, talk about it, get it out the way, move on. Right. But I am, nevertheless, I am excited to see Bobby Lashley Street Profits versus the Judgment Day and Dominique uh, Mysterio, um, Finn and um, Damian Priest. So that'll be a really fun one. I'm really excited about that matchup. I think it's just, it's a great matchup, great stylistic matchup, and it'll be entertaining just character-wise. So I'm really excited for that matchup. Hope they continue to allude to that. Man, one dude who has really impressed me, and for those that listen to the pod weekly, you know I'm not the biggest Shinsuke Nakamura guy. Uh, me and me and L talked about this before in the episodes before. I am not a Shinsuke guy. However, in the last month, I have become way more of a fan due to the fact of this new like samurai character where he's speaking in, in Japanese. He's alluding to honor, alluding to bro, that promo he cut this past Raw where he talked about Seth Rollins is this, like Seth Rollins isn't the champion you guys um, say he is. He's he's lying to you, right? He's not an honorable champion. He's not a man of honor. And he kind of alluded to all the things that Seth has done. Like he was spitting facts. Seth isn't denying it. Doesn't it, Seth is not John Cena, right? Seth got some skeletons in his closet, right? He turned on the shield. Um, he's turned on plenty of people. He has um, stolen championships uh, with the heist of the century. He has, you know, been the face of the authority and and let the, the authority help him win championships before. And just uh, with the Messiah gimmick, he was doing all kind of great. He ripped out Rey Mysterio's eye for God's sake. You know what I mean? Um, that was a, such a stupid storyline. But anyways, um. Yeah, like, I like that Shinsuke kind of talked about that. I was like, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a cheater. And he kind of, like, pointed at all these things. And it's like, those are the good villains. The villains that make you think twice about, oh, really? Do I do I really want to root for Seth Rollins? Like, he really is. Like, I, it brought back memories of the old Seth Rollins, you know? And it was just like, it was just such a good promo, man. And... Again, Shinsuke is looking really good, really good in the ring. That was kind of also one of my critiques. But I think his enhancement and progression on the mic and with these like vignettes, which have been so beautiful, they have almost enhanced his in-ring work because now you can see his in-ring work for what it is. It's a striker. It's a samurai level, you know, way of going going about things. His quick, efficient kicks, punches, elbows, all these different things. And he's starting to do it more in a strong style, which literally is his name, the King of Strong Style. And so, man, that match at Payback, like, he was stiff. And that's what I want. Like, I want stiff. You know what I mean? I, when I say stiff, I mean throwing punches. Now, you ain't got to knock a dude out. But if you go, if your finisher is throwing a, a knee or throwing, a like, your shin, I want you to hit. I want you to connect. I don't want this, like... I like try to hit somebody and clearly don't hit them. And then us supposed to believe that's your finisher. Like it just, it just doesn't connect. So yeah, I'm really, really like, obviously Gunther Chad Gable's the best 
thing about Raw right now. But low key, that Shin Shinsuke watching Shinsuke's moments throughout each week has been some of the best moments of the Raw the last couple of weeks. So I'm really excited for that. All right, this one I'm a little frustrated. Not gonna lie to you. Now again, you know me. I am a Rhea Ripley defender. Uh, I will always be. I think she's been an amazing champion. I think she's been an amazing advocate for the women's division. I think she's one of the most relevant superstars in the in not only WWE but in pro wrestling in general. Like she's a like when you see her face now, you know she she's a household name. And for some reason or another, people even women I see on the on the internet wrestling community, they're like, ah, I don't like it. I don't like. She needs to stay out of Judgment Day stuff and just worry about women's division stuff. And I'm like. Bro, when is the last time a women's champion was relevant outside of Becky Lynch? Like, truly relevant. And we haven't had one. But now we have one, and we're mad because she isn't going out there and wrestling for 45 minutes every night. Like, it's silly. It's silly. Um, It's like either you want characters or you want someone who can wrestle who's boring or you want, like, what do you want, you know? And... Now, I kind of laugh at these people because now they've brought back Nia Jax. Nia Jax is awful. She's basically the Omos of the women's division. She's awful. She's an attraction. She's not good at all. She's honestly known for hurting women. You know what I mean? She's known for causing injuries to her opponents and being really stiff and just, yeah, not very, not being very liked in the locker room. And so now that for shock value, because you people out there are, you know, well, we need to shake it up. Let's, when can we, when can we uh, end Rhea Ripley's reign? We need somebody else to win, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm sure they listened. It was like, Oh, let's shake it up. Let's throw out their Nia Jax. And I, and now all these same people who were mad and were asking for a shakeup and something brand new and something, fresh to happen in the women's division something happens and now they're mad and i'm like see i told you you're all fickle you're gonna whoever the next champion is you're gonna turn on them too you're gonna say they're boring you're gonna say they're like unless it's the four horsemen or becky uh bianca belair you guys just or shoot even bianca people hate on which i don't understand so these people are just fickle man and they listened and they brought in the worst women's wrestler and maybe potentially history, Nia Jax. I think I'll say history because she's better than a lot of these people, but Nia Jax is trash. And my biggest issue is that the women's division, we'll just talk about Raw right now. The Raw women's division has some really good wrestlers back there. Indy Hartwell, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knotts, even, even a little bit. Right? These are like Candice LeRae, even some of the tag teams that they brought up uh, from NXT are amazing. But for some reason or another, they skip over them and keep giving the the non the non-talented wrestlers time. And it's just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I really don't. And so bringing in Nia Jax just it's like you're you're asking for Internet hate, you're asking for poor matches, you're asking for just boring matches. You know, Nia Jax versus Rhea is just, 
I, I, and I don't even blame Rhea. I know Rhea can put on a classic. I know that. She's proven it. Um, she might have the match of WrestleMania, which is very hard to say in a, in a WrestleMania that had a ton of great matches. But, yeah, man, like, Nia Jax, it just didn't make, doesn't make any sense. You're, like, you're not making the women's division better by bringing in Nia Jax. You're just not. Um, and I thought um, Rhea and um, Raquel had a solid match. Their match definitely tonight was better on Raw was better than at Payback for sure. But and then at the end to bring it and it it also kind of undermines the whole women's main event, right? Because we was like, oh wow, like a women's main main event, Rhea and Raquel having the main event. That's cool. That's great. But now it looks like the only reason they had that main event slot was for some gimmick. Like, we knew something was up. We knew something silly was going to happen. And they kind of wanted the shock value to leave. They basically wanted to end the show on shock value with Nia Jax. But, yeah, I'm just not a, not a fan at all. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I'll kind of touch on the Endeavor deal. So for those that don't know, Endeavor, which is a company who owns the UFC, Bought also bought WWE, and actually, this latest, this last Raw was the last Raw of the McMahon era, right? McMahon, the McMahons have owned and ran the WWE for seventy years, but now Endeavor is taking it over. It's the first time a non-McMahon is associated or owns the WWE, so it'll be. Very interesting. I'm honestly a little nervous because Endeavor, uh, it, it sounds like they're going to allow Nick Khan, you know, Stephanie um, and Triple H to kind of run things and do what they do. But you never know, bro. You never really know. And when you add different corporations into it, hopefully they add some, you know, hopefully they add more benefits than negatives, but who knows? Right now, it's just a lot of questions, more questions than answers. But it is also kind of scary that no no McMahon is involved, right? We've kind of taken them for granted, especially in the later years, because since events was trash, you know, in the later 2000s and 2010s. But, yeah, it, still, the man, you know, did what he did for a very long time. You know, there's they they won't be replicated what he did, and so um, definitely nervous to see what comes from that. I will say from AEW perspective, I haven't been as excited about what I've been seeing from AEW lately. However, I am excited that Daniel Bryan is back, or Bryan Danielson is back, excuse me, and he and uh, they they have an event called Wrestle Dream which is kind of cool. Like it reminds me kind of of some people are saying like, obviously wrestle dream. It kind of has a logo that matches WrestleMania, but I kind of, it reminds me of like a new Japan, like super card that they have over there. And man, this net, like basically Brian Danielson called out Zach Sabre jr. Where I might faint when I watch this match, like literally the two best technical wrestlers in the world, potentially. Outside of Gunther, um, are gonna face each other at Wrestle Dream, bro. And literally, when I say that is the only match, even this only a match that I know that's even announced for Wrestle Dream. And due to that match alone, I will be watching it. I will pay money to watch it. 
Seriously. Like, I will pay money to watch that match just because I'm a huge Brian Daniels, or I'm a huge Zack Sabre Jr. fan. And of course, I know who Brian Danielson is. I know how good he is in the ring. So, especially this older Daniel Bryson, uh, Brian Danielson. I actually like this this version a lot better because he's more ruthless, more, he's like Gunther almost, but a smaller version, obviously. Like, he's brutal, you know, and he's technical and he's amazing. Um, so yeah, I would definitely, I'm definitely tapped into that match for sure. Um, all right, folks, to finish it off, we have our top five. We know how we do it here, different t- topics and things of that nature. Today, the top five is top five champions who enhanced the title, right? So basically, the premise is uh, characters, top five characters who made the when they were given the title when they won the title they made it better they enhanced it right they made it more important feel more important look more important things of that nature um and so yeah that's our top five today so number five we have becky lynch the 2019 uh women's championship run right because she won it won the double champ at uh the wrestlemania in 2019 as the main event and yeah, man, she just made the women's title feel like a big time title, right? And and it felt like that before sometimes, but with her holding it, Becky Lynch was at the top of her game. She was still in the man gimmick, uh, at the top, at the apex of it, and she was killing it, killing it. And yeah, she just enhanced the belt. She made it feel like a world championship, right? And she made it. It didn't feel like because before it was kind of like. You know, you have your champion on SmackDown. I have your champion on Raw, but it was kind of like, uh, like it just didn't feel as much as 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 big. Even when Charlotte had it, had it, even when you know Bailey had it, things of that nature. When when Becky got her hands on it, for it just felt bigger because um, she could she could not only put on great matches, but she could she could do her work on the mic, which is not which we didn't see much, right? Um, Charlotte isn't known for her mic work. Bailey has gotten a ton better, but during that time, she wasn't known for her mic work either. And so, yeah, man, it's just, it would just enhance the title so much more. And it, it again, like she had Becky had a great run. She was going up against Sasha, had some amazing matches against Sasha Banks, a classic match, some of the best women's wrestling matches of all time. And so, yeah, just that run Becky had <clears throat> during that time just made the title feel way more important and enhanced it uh, and enhanced the women's division as a whole. All right. Number four, RK bro, RK bro, 2021 tag team title run uh, with the world tag team titles, man. Uh, RK bro was a phenomenon, bro. Matt Riddle and Randy Orton teaming up together, the tag team we never knew we wanted. And it just, <clears throat> it just worked really well, man. Um, it, it was so over. Like it was so over. It was, it was like the classic movie with the old, you know, rundown cop, who you know his past past his prime, but still has a lot to give. But it's still kind of old and grumpy. And then you have the young whippersnapper, the young kid who's pulling out the kid, the kid type vibes that is in the old rusty guy. That's kind of what it felt like. And it was just it was just fun, man. They were so over. 
so over because um, it was just basically Riddle trying to be Randy's friend. And if you know, you know, Randy Orton, like Randy's pretty, he's funny like in real life, but the character was very like grumpy and like hard to trust. Like he didn't trust very easy. And so their run was just amazing, man. They was going up against the bloodline. That was fun. We actually did, actually didn't get to see like the apex of that. Like if we could have got to see, you know, Roman versus Randy Orton, man, that would have been fun. That could have headlined a lot of big time pay-per-views, but um, and their tag team matches against the Usos were amazing. And um, Riddle started to incorporate some of Randy's moves with the RKO, RKOs off the top rope, and all this different stuff. Man, it was just it was just really fun, a uh, really great run. And they made the Raw tag team titles matter, like they really did. Um, there hasn't been many tag teams as of late that have made the titles matter, other than maybe the Usos, the New Day, um, you know, Street Profits a little bit, but. You know, there's very few, and they put the titles on plenty of different tag teams. So, RK Bro definitely made it feel important, made it feel like okay, the, the titles mean something around here. So, um, yeah, RK Bro number four, number three. This is a known one. We kind of talked about this on this podcast before, but it is John Cena's U.S. title reign. Uh, I think it was around, and forgive me if I get my years wrong, but I want to say it was 2015, 2016, when Cena kind of started the, the U.S. title run, the Open Challenge, and he kind of used it as a, a vehicle to, like, show off more, to show off new talent, but also allow him to kind of, you know, on his way, on his last couple years of, like, truly being there every day, he got to kind of show off, like, okay, I can wrestle. Like, you know, I get to do some things around here. And he tried a lot of new things with some of the more NXT guys who were kind of more uh, <clears throat> breaking ground as far as, like, wrestling styles and doing different things and having more fun type of matches. And, yeah, John Cena was trying stuff, man, and he was doing it. Like, he really proved that, like, okay, this guy can wrestle. Because I was, you know, me, I'm not, I'm not a John. I'm a John Cena. I was a John Cena hater for a long time. I thought he was trash in the ring. Um, but he's good, man. He's good. He has plenty of classics. His matches with Kevin Owens, his matches with Sami Zayn, his matches with plenty of guys, CM Punk and things of that nature. But during that U.S. title run, man, he put on a lot of great matches. Cesaro, like so many good matches during that time. And uh, he really enhanced the U.S. title. Again, like he made it relevant. And so, yeah, shout out to you, John Cena. Uh, really also really fun really amazing to see John Cena like in WWE again and seeing him on a consistent basis, having matches and interacting with current characters is just really fun to see. Um, next number two, we have, this is tough. I'm kind of on the fly here. I'm gonna go number two, Roman Reigns. I, I picked Roman Reigns number two because at the time, in 2019, well, in 2020, uh, during the pandemic, world title was on um, The Fiend, uh, RIP, uh, and it just didn't feel that great. It was also on Braun Strowman before that. Just didn't feel as important. Um, it was a SmackDown title. Just didn't feel as, you know, as it didn't feel like, a, oh, this is a big-time title. It kind of felt like, 
okay, you're the world champion of this brand. Okay, fine, whatever. It felt very temporary. But when when you know when Roman got it, it just he just took it to a historical level. He took it to a like a big goldie, big you know, it just felt like, oh, okay, this is one of them goats got his hands on the title. This doesn't feel temporary. This feels like inevitable. This feels like something that's going to be sustained for a while. Um, and he just kept proving why each match after match after match after match. And he's just made that title like the the gold standard of wrestling right now. You know what I mean? Like you you kind of know going into a match, like, all right, he's not beating Roman. Like, he's just not beating Roman. He has no chance. And you want that, honestly. Like some people hate that. But I want that personally, because whenever the person actually does be Roman, it means so much more. And so Roman, yeah, he just even when he got the double belts, he just made everything seem so much more important. And he used that to then enhance so many other people. Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, uh, plenty Kevin Owens, so many other people. Um, And so, yeah, man, Drew McIntyre, you know, so. Yeah, number two for me, Roman Reigns in this, you know, reign of dominance, if you see what I did there. Um, and number one, got to go with my man. My man. Zareng Danara. Gunter. Gunter made, man, the IC title was in a rough spot. Um, I will say it was kind of progressing, kind of, with, with uh, Ricochet getting some more love on it. But the Sami Zayn era was cool. He had some funny moments. Sami did the best he could with it. I thought he did some great stuff in the pandemic. Um, but still, it wasn't. It was kind of an afterthought, right? If if you went a whole, if you went a whole two weeks without it being without an icy title match or it really being mentioned, it was like ah, it's kind of normal. Um, but now it's like nah, like icy title was like one of the biggest titles WWE has. Like, it's up there rivaling. It's up there with the heavyweight title that Seth Rollins has. Like, seriously, like, it's that important. And, yeah, man, just Gunther took it and just immediately when he got it, it just became a – it became a uh, attraction. It became a thing of importance. Again, it's, it felt like something – you know, inevitable. It felt like something that's sustainable, you know, and it felt like, okay, one of them, one of them dudes just got his hands on the title, which you kind of know when that is. And man, I, I've been a Gunther guy since Walter back in the day and just seeing him get that belt and just take it to the levels he's taking it to and having match of the year candidates back to back years pretty much match of the year last year and potentially match of the year this year, defending that particular title. Like, come on, man. Like he might have the best TV match in WWE this year uh, with, with last week with him and Gable. So like, and who knows the matches he'll put on, you know, the rest of the year defending that belt. So yeah, that's why he's my number one. He just, he took something that was like Roman took the title and took it from a, a rough spot, took it to the top, but it's it's the world title, right? So we know that's we know that's going to get TV time every week. We know it's going to be slotted in there as important every week. 
Roman just took it and took it to a, you know, damn near crossover level, historic reign level stuff, right? Whereas Gunther took a, t- a belt that was an afterthought, was a, you know, it might not be on TV for a few weeks, you know, different champions every other week, you know, it was, it was all over the place. Like even almost unrecognizable. Like if you ask somebody random, all right, what does the intercontinental title look like right now? They like a lot of people didn't know during that time, but now you ask somebody for the most part, if they're a wrestling fan anyways, they know what it looks like. Cause it's been on this guy's shoulder for so long. And he just took something that was literally buried, took it out, and took it to the top, and now is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, which is extremely high praise uh, when you think about all the people who've held that belt. So, yeah, number one for me in the top five wrestlers who've taken a belt and enhanced it is Gunther. Da-ring, da-da-da. But, yeah, this is a fun one. Um had a good time talking about the most recent things. Definitely hit me up at Worldwide Willis or at the LMG Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram as well. You can hit us up on the Facebook group. Definitely join that. Um, and, yeah, hit me if you got any other top fives or any top five suggestions. Or if there's anything happening in wrestling right now that you kind of want to talk about and get some stuff off your chest, I'm definitely down to talk. Again, I always say I want to smoke. I'm always down for a debate or just a conversation. Uh, so definitely hit us up. But uh, we definitely appreciate your support. Um, it's always fun talking about wrestling. And it's always fun hearing people's different people's perspective. But, yeah, I appreciate you. And we out. Yeah. <laughs>